Please turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4. The book of 2 Kings and chapter 4. And this morning, we'll be looking at the story of the Shunammite woman and an event that takes place later in her life. And so we need to read some background passages so that we can understand the whole story and what takes place. We'll begin here, chapter 4 and verse 8. We'll read down through verse 21. Now there came a day when Elijah passed over to Shuman. There was a prominent, where there was a prominent woman, and she persuaded him to eat food. And so it was, as often as she passed by, he turned in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God passing by us continually. Please let us make a little walled upper chamber, and let us set a bed for him there, and a table and a chair and a lamp stand, and it shall be when he comes to us that he can turn in there. One day he came there and turned in to the upper chamber and rested. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, behold, you have been careful for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Would you be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the army? And she answered, I live among my own people. And he said, so he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, truly she has no son and her husband is old. And he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, at this season next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my lord, O man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. And the woman conceived and bore a son at that season the next year, as Elijah had said to her. When the child was grown, the day came when he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said to his father, My head, my head. And he said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother. She sat on her lap until noon and then died. And when she went up and laid, and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. And then we'll skip down to verses 32 through 37. In verse 32, when Elijah came into the house, Behold, the lad was dead and laid on the bed, on his bed. So he entered and shut the door behind them both and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself on him and the flesh of the child became warm. When he returned and walked in the house once back and forth, and went up and stretched himself on him, and the lad sneezed seven times, and the lad opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her, 
And when she came in to him, he said, Take up your son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground, and she took up her son and went out. And then we'll turn to the passage that we'll be looking at this morning, which is in chapter 8 of this book of Second Kings, chapter 8 and verses 1 through 6. Now when Elijah spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go with your household and sojourn wherever you can sojourn, for the Lord has called for a famine, and it shall even come on the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the word of the man of God, and she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. And it came about at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went out to appeal to the king for her house and for her field. Now the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Please relate to me all the great things that Elisha has done. And it came about as he was relating to the king how he had restored to life the one who was dead, that behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life appealed to the king for her house and for her field. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elijah restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she related it to him. So the king appointed for her a certain officer, saying, Restore all that was hers, and all the produce of the field from the land that she left the land even, from the day that she left the land even until now. And so in this passage, we have a very remarkable story of this Shunammite woman. And it is a story that shows to us the love and the great care of God for his people and his powerful providence by which he rules all things for our ultimate good. And the things that we see here are things that are still true for the people of God today. The God of heaven is still the same as he has always been, and his love and care, his protection, and his powerful providence is still the same for us today. And as we look at this account this morning, several things we want to see. The first is what we can call the great faith of this Shunammite woman. Her great faith, we read in verse 1. Now Elijah spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go with your household and sojourn wherever you can sojourn. For the Lord has called for a famine and it shall even come on the land for seven years. The woman that is spoken of here is the Shunammite woman, who we find first back in chapter 4 of this book of Second Kings. She had lived in the land in the town of Shuman. And you remember back in that passage, she was described there as a prominent woman, meaning that she was a woman of prestige, a woman of honor in her city, she was a woman of wealth, she had land, and she had riches. 
But she was also a woman of faith. She was one of the 7,000 whom the Lord had left in the land of Israel at that time who had not bowed their knees to Baal. And she was very generous with her wealth and very hospitable. Elijah the prophet, when he would make his circuit through the land of Israel, he would visit the schools of the sons of the prophets. He would come to the town of Shunem. And this woman would invite her, him in for a meal, and she began to recognize that he was a true, holy man of God. And she asked her husband to build the upper chamber for him to stay in when he passed by. And she put in that upper chamber a bed and a table and a chair and a lampstand in the room to make it most comfortable for the prophet Elijah. And Elijah was so thankful that that one time he came and he wanted to do something for her in return. And he asked her, what can I do for you? Would you be spoken of to the king or to the captain of the army? And she answered, she said, I live among my own people which was her way of saying that there is nothing that I need or anything that I want. She was content to live quietly and peacefully among the own, her own people in her town. She was wealthy and she was well satisfied with her life. There was nothing that she needed from any king or from any of the great men of the land. Then Gehazi, who was Elisha's servant, told Elisha that what she really wanted was a son. She had no son. She was old and she was past childbearing. And Elijah called her, gave her the promise that she would embrace a son the next year. And the promise came to pass and she miraculously conceived and she gave birth to a son. But then that tragic day came when he went out into the field to work with his father and he began to complain of a headache and he was brought back to his mother and he sat upon her lap until noontime and then she died then he died his mother took her took him up into elijah's room laid him on the bed elijah came and stretched himself upon the child and life returned to him and elijah raised him from the dead and returned him to his mother and she became one of those women spoken of in Hebrews chapter 11, the women who had received their dead back by resurrection. This is the woman that Elijah spoke to here in verse 1. Elisha said to her that she was to go now into this sojourn, into this land that she did not know. God's prophet here was the one who was speaking these words to her. Arise and go with your household and sojourn wherever you can sojourn. God's prophet knew that the famine would come and it would be a famine for an extended period of time for seven years. And so he tells the Shunammite woman, he gives her this very difficult command that she is to follow. And we see her faith in her obedience to this most difficult command. The command was difficult for several reasons. First, the Shunammite woman was most likely now a widow. Back in chapter four, we read of her husband. 
Here now in chapter 8, we find nothing mentioned of her husband in this account. It may very well have been that years had passed and he has passed away. In the meantime, the Shunammite woman is now a widow. She has no husband to help her. And now she must leave with her household and obey the prophet's command. The second way in, we, in which we see the difficulty of the command is that Elijah commands her to leave everything that she has known. She was a very prominent and wealthy woman in her town. She was well off. She lived happily with her own people. She was comfortable and she was well satisfied with life and there was nothing that she needed from any other man. And if there was anything in this world that was precious to her, anything in this world that she cherished, it was her home and the land that she owned and the peaceful life that she knew in her city. But now the command of the prophet has come to her that she must leave everything that she has known. Everything that she has known in the past, she is told to arise and go and leave it all behind and so we see the difficulty of the command in that she is told to leave everything that she has had in this present life. The third way in which Elijah's, Elijah's command is difficult is that it was a very vague command. We see there in verse 1, he told her to arise and go with your household and sojourn wherever you can sojourn. It would have been enough for him to tell her to leave her home and everything that she had known. But he gives her no definite place where she is to go. She is simply to leave. She is to wander wherever she can wander to find her needs met. Back in the life of Elijah, when there was a famine in the land, the Lord told Elijah where he was to go. He was to go to the brook Cherith. And then when the brook dried up, the Lord told him he was to arise and go to the widow Zarephath, a widow of Zarephath. But here we have this widow here. She is not told where she is to go for her needs to be met. She is simply told to be a sojourner and to wander. She is like Abraham when God called Abraham to go out and he went out not knowing where he was going. But then the last and most difficult part of this command was that the Lord, that the command came before the famine actually began. Elijah told her at the end of verse 1 that she was to arise and go with her household and sojourn wherever you can sojourn for the Lord, he says. The Lord has called for a famine, and it shall even come on the land for seven years. Elijah speaks here of what is coming in the future. It had not yet appeared, and if it had appeared, then Elijah would not have to have told her. But he tells her of what is to come. There was not yet any evidence of this famine. The crops were still growing in the fields and the harvest was still plentiful. The marketplace was still open every day and from everything that she could see with her eyes, 
There was no lack of anything, and everything seemed to be as it always was. But here came Elijah, and he told her that she must leave her home and leave her comfortable life and everything that she has known. She must go out and sojourn wherever she can sojourn, and she has no evidence of any famine before her eyes. The only thing that she has to go on is the word of the Lord that has come to her through the prophet. The Lord has called for a famine, and it shall even come on the land for seven years. A most difficult command for her to follow. She might have said to Elijah, well, let me wait. And let me see with my own eyes the evidence of this famine before I leave. But the command was a testing of her faith. Would she believe the word of the Lord that came through the prophet? And would she prepare herself and to obey what he had told her? And we see her great faith in that she believed the word of God through Elisha. And we read of this in verse 2. So the woman arose. What did she do in response to this word? The woman arose, and she did according to the word of the man of God. That's what she did. As soon as she heard the word of the Lord, she quickly obeyed his word. The word came to her, and she arose and did his will. This was the way that she had always lived her life. And so this is what she does on this occasion. She arose and did according to the word of the man of God. Perhaps her friends would have seen her packing her belongings and preparing to leave. And they would wonder what she was doing and why. They would ask, why are you leaving? And she would tell them that she has heard the word of the Lord to her of this coming famine. And they would have perhaps thought that, well, now she has gone too far. She has paid attention to that prophet Elijah one too many times. But here we see her act of faith in her belief in the word of the Lord and in her obedience to his command. And so her faith, her obedience is seen here in the midst of all these difficulties that were before her. And what seems even worse than all of this for her perhaps was that the place where she went to, which was the pagan land of the Philistines, as we read at the end of verse 2, and she went with her, with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines for seven years. The land of the Philistines was a land of paganism. It was a land of idolatry. There was no God of Israel worshipped in that land of the Philistines. Back in the earlier chapters, this Shumanite woman, she would gather on the Sabbath days when Elijah came and preached. The people of God would gather and they would hear the word of the Lord and she would be there every Sabbath, every new moon. Because she was a woman who loved the Lord and she loved his word 
and she loved his worship and his people and she would always be there but now she is in the pagan idolatrous land of the philistines and there is no worship of god in that land and she found herself there surrounded by idolatry and the worship of the false god dagon and she was there not just for a short period of time, but she was there for seven long years. And she would have felt something of what the psalmist said in Psalm 42. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? My tears have become my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God. So we have an important lesson here that in verse 1, Elijah said, The Lord has called for a famine. And what Elijah was saying at that time was that a divine judgment has come upon the land of Israel for their sin and for their idolatry. And we see with this Shumanite woman that even the people of God suffer under the judgments of God when they fall upon a land. But the difference is that he takes special care of his people. And that's what he was going to do here with her. As she went out to sojourn down to the land of the Philistines, for her own survival, God would care for her, protect her in all of her ways. He sends this message to prepare her and to warn her. And he will sanctify the trial to her for her good and for her sanctification. The second major point that we see in the passage is the return of the Shunammite woman and her dilemma. The return of the Shunammite woman and her dilemma. This is what happens to her when she returned after the seven years of the famine in verse 3. And it came about at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines and she went out to appeal to the king for her house and her field. As soon as the famine is done, she returned from the land of the Philistines at the end of the seven years, it says. When she returned, she found that her home and her fields, her land, had been taken and it now all belonged to another. We do not know who took possession of her property. Perhaps some thought that she had been gone for such a long period of time that she would never come back, and so they moved into her home and they took over her land. Perhaps it was done by the civil magistrates of that area, the elders of the city of Shuman, whoever it was. When she returned, she was in great disappointment because she found that her home had been taken and her land was in the possession of others. Perhaps she appealed to them that these things rightly belonged to her, but they would not listen to her 
and they refused to give them back. We have no mention of her husband here, and so we believe that she was a widow at this time. And being a widow, she was especially vulnerable and prone to the oppression from evil men. And she probably wondered how such a thing could have happened to her because she had obeyed the word of the prophet. She had obeyed the word of the Lord. She had done the will of God best she could. But now she finds this great trial has come upon her. She returns and she finds that she has lost everything. And perhaps she thought to herself, what profit, what benefit is there to me to obey the word of the Lord when such things can happen? But now we see what the Lord has been doing and what he has done for her. The only appeal she had now was to go directly to the king of Israel. His name is Jehoram. And that's what we read now here at the end of verse 3. She went to appeal to the king Jehoram for her house and for her field. And then the third thing that we see in the narrative here is God's secret activity to deliver the Shunammite woman from her dilemma. All the events that now take place, they have been taking place under the sovereign activity and the secret and powerful hand of God's providence. We read in verse 4, now the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, please relate to me all the great things that Elisha has done. So here it happened that when the Shunammite woman came to appeal to the king, that Jehoram was speaking with Jehazi, who was the servant of Elisha. And Jehoram, he had seen some of the miracles of Elisha, and he had heard of others as well. And so as he is speaking with Gehazi on this occasion, he asks him, please relate to me all the things that Elisha has done. Jehoram was an evil king. On a previous occasion, when the city of Samaria, the capital city, had been besieged by the Aramean army. He had called for the death of Elijah by the end of the day. Perhaps King Jehoram thought that Elijah here had prayed for the rain and the famine to come to an end and the Lord had answered him. And so Jehoram seems to have some goodwill to Elijah at this time. And he asks Gehazi to tell him of the great miracles and the power of God at work through Elisha. And so Gehazi would have told him of these things. Perhaps he told him of that great miracle in the beginning of his ministry when he came to the city of Jericho that was under the curse and he healed the waters of the city of Jericho. Perhaps he told him of how he had provided all the jars of oil for the poor widow to meet her needs. And then he came to the greatest of Elijah's miracles, which was the raising of the dead son 
of the Shunammite woman. And we read of this in verse 5. And it came about as he was relating to the king how he had restored to life the one who was dead, that behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life appealed to the king for her house and for her field. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman and this is her son whom Elijah restored to life. Gehazi relates what had happened with the Shunammite woman here. Perhaps he had told of the supernatural birth of her son, how she was old, she was barren for so many years. Elijah promised her a son, the promise was fulfilled. And then one day the young boy went into the field and became ill and then died in his mother's arms. She laid him on the prophet's bed. Elijah came and stretched himself over the child and raised him from the dead. And the king here is amazed to hear of this woman, to hear of her son and all that God did through Elijah for her that Elijah had the power to raise him from the dead, that the God of Israel is the God of the resurrection. He is the God of wonders, and he has power to do all things according to his will. And just at that very moment, when Gehazi was speaking of her, suddenly the Shunammite woman appeared in the king's court with her appeal for her home, and her land to be returned to her. And Gehazi looked, and though he had not seen her for seven years, and though the young boy had grown to be a man, yet he still recognized her, and Gehazi was amazed to see her at the very time he was speaking to her. And he cried out to the king in his surprise, My lord, O king, this is the woman. This is the very woman I am speaking to you of. And this is her son, whom Elijah restored to life. Then Jehoram began to ask the woman about the story. We see in the beginning of verse 6. When the king asked the woman, she related it to him. So the king appointed for her a certain officer, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the produce of the field from the day that she left the land even until now. So she told the king the very same things that Gehazi had just told him. And so she confirmed the great miracle of Elijah. And when the king heard this, he took action on her behalf and he sent this officer to return to her everything that she had asked for, her house, her land, and even far more, that she was to have all the produce, all the profit that had been lost over the years of the famine. He said to the officer, restore all that was hers and all the produce of the field from the day that she left the land even until now. Several important lessons we learn from this story. And the first is God's amazing sovereignty over 
the most minute details of our lives. God's amazing sovereignty, his absolute rule over the most amazing, over the most minute details of our lives. This Shunammite woman, she returned back from the famine and she found her home and her land taken. The only recourse she had was to appeal to the highest authority in the land, the king. She would have had to make the journey from her hometown of Shuman to the capital city of Samaria, where the palace and the king resided. She would have to come without her husband. She would have to speak to the guards at the gate of the palace, present her case to the court officials until finally she was given entrance into the throne room of the king to make her appeal. We can imagine how anxious she must have been, how nervous as she came before the king. But little did she know Little did she know, unaware to her, was that the Lord was watching over her. And he had gone before her to prepare all things and to make her way smooth and easy. His sovereign control of providence. He had arranged everything when she would appear before the king. That at the very moment Gehazi was telling him of how Elijah had raised her son from the dead at that very moment when the king's interest was at its peak and he would have most sympathy for her. At that very moment, there she was standing before him with her son to make her appeal. If she had come, the day before, if she had come even an hour earlier, the king would have had no interest and her plea would have fallen upon deaf ears because she would have been like any other woman in Israel. But now she was that one woman whom the king had just heard of the woman whose son Elijah had raised from the dead. And it was a most amazing display here of God's care for his people and his arrangement of the most minute details of their lives. We marvel, we should marvel here at how many things came together on this particular occasion to bring relief to this woman. Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, who knew all the miracles of Elijah. He was there on this particular day in the presence of the king speaking to him. And King Jehoram, for whatever reason, had enough interest in Elijah to ask the question, please relate to me all the great things that Elisha has done. And as Gehazi begins to relate the great miracles of Elisha, 
He came to the story just as he came to the story of the woman from Schumann. There she appeared before the king with her son, whom he had raised from the dead. And all these things were brought together at just the right moment and in just the right way to bring relief to this woman. Just like with this Shumanite woman, the providences of our lives are ordained as well, down to the smallest details. The hairs of our head are numbered. The steps we take and the places we go, when we rise down, when we stand up, the people to whom we speak, all of these things are being ordered by the God of heaven and there is nothing that takes place by chance. David said, the steps of a man are ordained by the Lord. And oftentimes, those things which seem least important our most necessary links in the chain of divine providence. Things that we are completely unaware of. Things we do not know or cannot anticipate. God is ordering all of them for his purposes and for our good in our lives. And here he orders the king of Israel and the providences of the king and the heart of the king to care for the needy widow at this particular time. Proverbs 21 in verse 1, the king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord and he turns it whichever way he wishes and he is the God of sovereignty over the great ones of the earth. And he is the God of sovereignty over the low and the needy and the humble. And all things are in his hands and he orders all things for the good of his people. Proverbs 8 and verse 28 is true. For we know that God orders all things for our good and according to his purpose. This is what happens here on this occasion with this Shumanite woman. A second lesson we learn is that the righteous are remembered by the wicked. The righteous are remembered by the wicked. Jehoram was an evil king. And here he is with Gehazi. Elijah is not present with them. We do not know where Elijah was at this time. And yet, Jehoram remembered Elisha. He remembered what he had seen in Elisha. He remembered what he knew about Elisha. And he asked Gehazi to tell him more about this man, Elisha. Elisha was a righteous man. He had been the salt of the earth. And his righteous life had great influence on this King Jehoram. And even when 
Elijah is not present. These two men are discussing the life of Elisha. The same thing is true with us, the true Christian in this present world. Our lives, if we live according to the word of God, and if we walk in God's ways, our lives have great influence upon those who know us and see us and observe us. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the dark world. And there is nothing more surprising, there is nothing more remarkable than a truly righteous life in the midst of a sinful world. There is something truly different about a Christian. And the world, though they may not like what they see, and though they may scorn it often, they know that it takes a real power to make a person live according to the word of God in this world. And there will be times when we are not there, like Elijah was not here, and they will remember us, and they will sit and speak about us. The righteous will be remembered by the wicked. Solomon said in chapter 10 and verse 17 of the book of Proverbs that the memory of the righteous is blessed. David said in Psalm 112 and verse 6, the righteous will be remembered forever. A third thing we see here in this passage is the faithful life of the Shunammite woman. She has been through many circumstances and changes as we come through this book of 2 Kings and the earlier chapters of her life. We have watched her over many years. Many changes have come upon her. She has always been full of Christian grace and always faithful to the Lord in all things. We have seen her in that long period of silent endurance when she was barren and she had no child, but she was full of patience and contentment at that time. Then we have seen her in a time of joy when she was finally given a son. And then we have seen her in that time of sorrow and grief when her son was suddenly taken from her. And then we have seen her great faith in that power of God to raise her son from the dead. And now we see her in this time of, this time of trial and uncertainty when as a widow she goes out from the famine to sojourn in a place she does not know and she comes back to this great disappointment that her home and her lands have been taken from her. She never knew what a day would bring forth. She passed through many circumstances of her life. Through all the different circumstances, joy and sorrow, blessing, trial, uncertainty, disappointment, in every circumstance, she has always shown herself to be faithful to the Lord. 
And she is an example to us that no matter what happens, no matter what takes place, that we must always continue to be faithful, believing in the word of the Lord and obeying his voice. The last lesson we see here is that God gives an inheritance to his people. The Shunammite woman, she is a small picture of the Christian life. She is forced to be a sojourner, a stranger, an alien in the pagan land of the Philistines. She spends years in that place and finally God gives her back her own land and even more than she ever desired. It is the same way with us as believers. We are strangers. We are aliens in a sinful land in this world. But God keeps us here as long as he does and then he brings us into the promised lands of the new heavens and the new earth. And there there is an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away and reserved in heaven for you. This is the way it is with all believers, like the Shunammite woman. Whatever we lose in this world for the sake of the gospel, we will gain in the world to come many times more. And Jesus has promised us that everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake, shall receive many times as much and shall inherit eternal life. Let's pray together. Our Father and gracious God in heaven, we thank you for your kind, powerful, and gracious providence to this woman and how you arranged all things to care for her and to protect her. And thank you that you are the same today as you have always been and that your love is still upon all of your believing people. Lord, increase our faith and give us trust in you that we would have confidence and joy that you will care for us in all of our needs. Thank you for your great mercy. Bless your word to us now today. And be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.